But as we've mentioned, it's not the gospel of Mark, of course, but it is the gospel of Jesus, with Mark recording those things for us. And as we think about that, we think about when you open up to those different pages in your Bible, there are words, more than likely, that are in red, because they're the words of Jesus, and they're important. You know, you could probably find a lot of different studies that would tell you, some people say that maybe one of the most often used phrases of Jesus is the phrase, he who has ears, let him hear. He was emphasizing time and again that though he's saying things that may sound difficult, and as I like to imagine, a lot of times they go right over the apostle's head. He's saying, you need to be paying attention. You need to be listening to what I'm telling you. There are other words, individual words, that he used very often. In fact, if a count is done, I believe words like father, words like son, words like kingdom, were all words that Jesus used the most when it came to his daily words, or at least as it is recorded for us. But if you open those four different accounts and you turn through there, another very often used phrase is the phrase, follow me. In fact, if you want to do a count, the word follow is used a lot more than 16 times, but it's about 16 times or so that Jesus actually uses the phrase, follow me. He says it either in general that people need to follow him, or very often he says it specifically to somebody, you need to follow me. In fact, let's look at a few together to begin this morning. First of all, he says it to the disciples. If you have a Bible handy, you can turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. He says it first of all to the disciples. What's interesting about Matthew chapter 4, beginning in about verse 18 and going through the end of the chapter, right? The small section of scripture that's leading us directly to what we call the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in Matthew chapter 5. Beginning in Matthew 4 and verse 18 through about verse 25 there, three different times it says that people followed him. That whatever is said or whatever is done or whatever they see, <clears throat> they begin to follow after him. But you know some of these famous passages, right? You look in verse 19 in particular and he says it to Peter and to Andrew, follow me. We go down then to verse number 21. And we see that he sees James and John. And he calls to them. It says in verse 21, we don't see it recorded for us, but I'm sure he may have said these exact words, if not something very similar. He used the phrase, follow me. They followed him. But you see that Peter and Andrew do. You see that James and John do. And then even in verse number 25, that great multitudes followed after him. Now, of course, if you know your gospel account right here, we're, we're not long into his ministry, right? We've met Jesus, he's been born, and all those things. But immediately, as we pick up with the work that he is going to be doing, he is encouraging people to follow after him. And they do. Not only does he say it to the disciples, but he also says it, secondly, we might notice to the rich man. If you want to turn again in Matthew, this time to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 16, and going through about verse 22. But you're familiar with the rich man, the rich young ruler that comes up to him, as we often call him, and asks these questions of Jesus, and there's this interaction where he is told what he must do. But in verse 21, Jesus concludes all of that as it is recorded for us. He concludes it with the words, with the phrase, follow me. We could really do a much deeper examination of this and of these phrases 
and the interaction and, and the response from the people. We just noticed in Matthew chapter 4 that those disciples and even the people followed him. But we see sadly here with the rich young ruler in verse 22 that when he heard these things, he went away. At least in this moment, he didn't follow after Jesus, but he went away. And so we had this thought process in our mind. Where we, did he come back later? Did he go home sorrowful? But maybe after some time, he made some arrangements and he sold his stuff and he went again and he found Jesus. You know what I think is amazing as we read through the different accounts of the gospel? And especially as we think about where we just were in Matthew chapter 4. I envision it probably wasn't very hard to find Jesus, right? Sometimes... He goes away to the mountain, he sometimes tries to, he goes down to the ship, he sometimes tries to withdraw himself for a few moments. I know they didn't have drones, right? They didn't have a helicopter, but it might not take much elevation, even getting on top of a house in a community, to look, and especially if you knew the area he was in, it probably wouldn't be too hard to find him. Because I usually liken it, you've heard me say before, but I usually liken it to the idea of, of paparazzi, right? It's not the same thing, but, but this large mass of people that's following one or two people, or Jesus and his disciples in this case. I imagine that the rich man, if he wanted to find Jesus, could find him. Did he? I don't know for sure, but it may be that he did. But whatever happened in the end, Jesus' instructions are simple, purely simple to him follow me. We can go forward to the book of John, John chapter 10, and see in the third place, as we're going to notice three things here this morning, that his sheep follow after him. And he says this to his sheep, right? John chapter 10, almost the entire chapter is speaking of Jesus being the true shepherd and the good shepherd and his followers being sheep. In the beginning, and if you turn, if you turn to John 10, you'll see lots of words in red. Right in the beginning, in verse number 4, Jesus says, And when he, the shepherd, brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We're going to touch on another event this afternoon uh, as we talk about Mark, when we think about somebody knowing somebody's voice. How much comfort that causes. You know, our kids, your kids, when at home sometimes call out, Maybe they're in a different room, maybe it's late at night and they're in the dark, and they're bothered, but they call out and when they hear a voice that they know, it's comforting. I've never been a shepherd, we don't have sheep herding maybe as much as they did during that time, but we understand the concept of the shepherd going out first and using his voice to call and they follow. Later here in John chapter 10 in verse number 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they Here's our phrase, follow me. He's not ushering it or saying it to them in the exact same way, the command of sorts to follow me, but he's making the statement that people need to follow after him. It's one of the great statements that he makes. The great encouragement to us to follow after him. And so what does that look like? Well, let's talk about three more things here to think about this morning. To follow him, we might say, is to submit, first of all. It's to submit. In James chapter 4 and verse number 7, James is speaking, of course, but James says, therefore, submit yourself to God. Submit to God. It's a call that whether we want to say God or whether we want to say Jesus, and as Robert talked about just a few moments ago, and we've been talking about on Sunday morning here in the auditorium, if you've been in here, but the Godhead, the encouragement is to come. 
to come and to follow. The encouragement is to submit. That involves lowering ourselves. We absolutely, without a doubt, 100%, I don't know how else to say it, but live in a society where people don't want to do that. You know what that, that creates? Creates problems. Creates problems in marriage because God designed marriage to involve submission. Creates problems in the church because it involves people submitting themselves sometimes to one another. It involves problems with God because ultimately we have to submit to him and submit ourselves to Christ if we're going to be true followers. In fact, in Luke's account, Luke chapter 9 and verse number 23, Luke 9, 23, Luke, or excuse me, Luke records that Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I didn't have time to pull my notes out real quick, but at the end of the song we sang, there, uh, uh, lead me to Calvary. One of those verses began talking about that, taking up our cross daily. If we're going to follow after Jesus, we have to submit to him. We have to leave the old things. We must put him on. Paul would write about that in his epistles where he's literally talking about the idea of removing cloaks, right? Removing clothes and putting on Christ. We must give ourselves to him and his cause. In connection with that, number two, we might say then that that involves sacrifice, right? It involves sacrifice if we want to truly follow after him. Again, Luke says, deny yourself. What is denying is sacrifice. Do you know what I want to do most of the time? I want to do what I want to do, right? I want to do what makes me happy. I want to do what causes me comfort. I want to eat where I want to eat. I want to, you know, watch what I want to watch. We all have that sort of selfishness built into us. Some of it's self-preservation. We just do what we want to do. We take care of ourselves. But the call to Christianity and the call to following Christ is to sacrifice. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 12 in verse number 1 when he says that we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And you've heard me say it before, but I've mentioned how I appreciate not having to stand up here each Lord's Day and bring an animal up here and get the blood everywhere and go through all of that. But can I tell you that what we are required to do is a lot more difficult in some ways because we are to go out into the world and be living sacrifices. To bring an animal up here and kill it and to spread the blood and to do as they did in the Old Testament would be somewhat easy. But as we got to the Sermon on the Mount a few moments ago, but we didn't go further with it, the whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying there's something better than that. But it involves going further, doing more. It involves sacrifice. And so as Paul brings forth this idea of being a living sacrifice, if we're going to follow after Christ, we must strive to live up to that. We've encouraged and, and complimented Robert, but so many of our men who stand up here each first day and spend time and effort thinking about the Lord's Supper, calling us to remember His sacrifice so that we can do the same. Praise be to God. We don't have to hang and bleed and suffer and go through pain, but we have to sacrifice ourselves daily. So the question then is, do you give anything up for Jesus? Do you give anything up to follow after him? Or, as we said uh, to begin this point, do you say each day, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do, right? That's what I want, so I'm going to do that. Or do you say, well, you know what I'd rather do is have time to myself, but I'm going to sacrifice that to do something for Jesus. I know what I want to wear. I know how I want to talk. I know where I want to go. 
but I'm going to sacrifice those things to follow after Jesus. Is that something that each one of us can say? Or are we giving lip service to following after him, but we're not truly following after him? The third word we might suggest here in this point is to serve. To follow Jesus is to serve. In one sense, in a macro sense, you can say that we are to serve him. But we, are to, we know that we are to serve one another as well. If you've been following along in your Bible, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 10, verses 41 through 45. Mark 10, 41 through 45. I'm asking you to turn there because I'll give you a short preview that we're going to come back here to end our lesson this afternoon, if you can be with us. As we look at Mark, the book of Mark, we're going to come back here at the end. But Jesus says in this moment that even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. There's a lot of confusion in the world, especially in this time, about who Jesus was and what he was coming to do, right? The Jews are looking for their hero on a white horse to come and to reign, to sit on the literal throne, and Jesus is saying, I came to serve. So much so that he shows it, right? John chapter 13, he washes the disciples' feet. I love John 14 probably as much as you do, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. It's wonderful. But he set all of that up by washing feet, by serving. He showed it there, and he taught us that if we are going to follow after him, that we are going to have to take this example, that we're going to have to do as he did, and we're going to have to submit, we're going to have to sacrifice. We're going to have to serve each other. That is the call. That's what it means to truly follow after him. But I want you to know as well, and the last part of this lesson is going to be that someone else in the New Testament uses this phrase. Now, I'm going to warn you, I'm fixing to step off the stage. All right, I don't want anybody to think that I'm going to go running, okay? But, but we're going to get personal for just a minute, and I'll bring my timer with me too, so don't worry. I don't really do this very often, but I would like to today, because we're going to get personal for just a moment as we think about somebody in the New Testament saying this. You know, I remember as a child that when we go on trips, I was the one that got to hold the atlas, right? Some of you may remember a good old Rand McAnally atlas, I know nobody up here knows what that is. That, it's like a book with Matt. Just ask your parents later. No, oh my. But an atlas, right? And it's a joke within my family now that whether we go to Dollywood or whether we go to Disney World or whether we go to the Opryland Hotel for Last Leaders, that if my dear sweet wife, whom I love so much, is in front, she says, don't follow me. Somebody else come to the front. My kids usually say the same thing. I'm not in front because I don't know where I'm going and don't follow me. And I'm usually the one that steps up to the front and says, I usually know where I'm going, right? And I've always enjoyed maps. I enjoyed having that atlas in the car and following along where we were going on a map. And so that always helped me to kind of know. In the New Testament, there's somebody else that says, follow me. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 1, where the Apostle Paul would go forth to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, have a new international version or a king james version you're going to see something like that if you've got another version in front of you you may see something a little different and it may say something like the phrase imitate which is the same thing right follow me imitate me as i imitate or follow christ 
Well, that sounds really bold, Paul. I mean, really? You're not going to tell us to follow Christ, but you're going to instead say to follow me? How in the world could, you look at, could we look at you as a man and say that we are to follow you? That seems like it's a little prideful. That seems like it's a little arrogant. How could Paul say, follow me? Well, it's a phrase that you know because we sang it just a few moments ago as we sang in this service. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, Paul says, I live in the flesh. I don't live in, in the flesh in one sense, but I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I asked Brian to lead that because this is exactly how Paul can say the phrase, follow me. He says, it's not me. When you look at me, you should not see me any longer, but you should see Christ living in me. You should realize that I work to crucify myself daily so that I can say, follow after me. That's why. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Some of you may recall that a few years ago, a phrase was coined, uh, a thing was made popular. They looked kind of like this. There were bracelets that were made, and they said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? It actually started in the 1900s. Around 1900, a man by the name of Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps. And he was the first one that kind of used this idea of what would Jesus do? Now, most of you are familiar because you may have had one of these, at least some of you, because in the 1990s in Michigan, a youth group leader decided to start printing bracelets and T-shirts and to ask people to wear these things and encourage the youth group to think about the idea of what would Jesus do in a particular situation. But as we've noticed this morning, Paul doesn't say, what would Jesus do? Paul says, WWPD, what would Paul do? Or as one of the young ladies up here accused me of earlier, does it mean what would the preacher do? No, it doesn't mean what would the preacher do. That's not it. What would Paul do in a situation? Again, Paul, that sounds really arrogant. That sounds really prideful. How is it that you can say to us to follow after you? That sounds like something that it would not be good. But Paul says, I am not prideful. I am not arrogant. But I'm working every day to crucify myself so that I can say this kind of thing. Follow me. So the question then this morning, of course, is what would Brian do? Or what would Hannah do? Or what would Bobby do? Or what would Billy do? Or what would Jerry do? And I can go through everybody, right? I'll stop, though. What would Joel do? Is that a question that we can ask? Is that something that we can say? To say, what would I do? That we can say to people. Because that's really where it goes, right? That's really the end of this lesson. Is can we say, follow me? You know, I realize that we need to be talking about evangelism. And evangelism maybe even more than we do sometimes. I recognize as well that there are a lot of good tools when it comes to evangelism. We try to promote those to you. We try to share those. There's booklets that you can go through with people as you study. All of these things are tools to help us try to understand what it means when we try to teach someone about the gospel. And there are a lot of good tools at our disposal as we think about those opportunities. But I'm looking at a room this morning of about 100 examples. So the question is, can you say follow me? 
We should be telling people as we go throughout our day, follow me, of course, as I follow Christ, but follow me. Can you say that? If not, why not? Why can't you say that? Can you say to your spouse, simply follow me? Can you say to your children or grandchildren, follow me? Can you look at a coworker in the eye and just simply say, follow me? And they realize what you mean because they see Christ living in you. They can tell that you submit, that you sacrifice, that you serve each and every day. And that you, like Paul, are not trying to be prideful, but you can simply say, follow me. Can you say it to your friends? Can you say it to your fellow students? Whoever it is that you encounter, can you look at them and with confidence say this morning, or whenever it is you encounter them, follow me as I follow Christ. You see, now we've come to the time in the lesson where if you're here this morning and you can't say follow me, you can make it right. You don't have to leave with the, the worry or the doubt. You don't have to leave with the sorrow. You know, it's one of those things where sometimes if we could see people leave, we could see their spiritual condition, that there would be drooped shoulders and heads, right, drop down. People are afraid, scared, worried because they can't say that. Maybe you're here this morning and you can't say follow me as I follow Christ because you've never followed Christ in the first place. We sing the song in just a moment to encourage you that you would begin to follow after him. His simple plan of salvation, God's simple plan of salvation, we put up on the screen. So each time a person can see and very briefly know what one needs to do. But as we usually try to suggest, if you would like to know more, we would study with you as soon as possible to help you know what it means to follow Christ. And no one's perfect, and hopefully we're not being prideful. But within time, as we mature and we grow, we can say, as Paul says, follow me. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you can't say follow me because you've not been following Christ. If you're here as a Christian this morning and you have to turn inward and say, I've not been living as I should. And if someone walked up to me at work or at school or in the grocery store or wherever it might be, I could not say follow me. The good news is, is that you can make it right as well. God has provided his second law of pardon, as we sometimes say. If you're here and you're a Christian this morning, but you have not been following Christ the way that you should, then you can make it right. One of our elders will be coming front to the front in just a moment to receive you in a way that we can pray with you and for you. As has been said several times in our prayers and in our statements today, you don't answer to me, you don't answer to the elders, but we would love to help you give an answer of a good conscience toward God. Maybe that involves being baptized for the first time for the remission of your sins. Maybe it involves coming back to him again. But as we think about the phrase and the idea, what would Jesus do? We also need to think about the phrase or the idea, what would I do? And can I say to someone, follow me? If you need to follow Christ for the first time or return to following him, we invite you to come as we stand together and as we sing. I stand in need of more, sing to me a word, renew my love, rebuild my faithful, restore my soul. Revive the fire, Lord, deep in my soul. Stir my desire to work in your fold. Light in my heart, dear God, your zeal grown cold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. 
Renew my courage, Lord, it needs restored. My cup is empty, refill it, dear Lord. Replace all doubts and fear with faith so bold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Amen. Our closing song will be number 870, 870. I'm happy today. Joel, thank you very much, brother, for that lesson.